Hey, 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 it's Timmy here. This time around, I come back to you with another episode, not about the beginning or the journey, but about the end of my first year in Melbourne and a little bit touching maybe briefly on the beginning of 2020, the second year that I had in Melbourne. So to start off towards the end of 2019, I think by November, I had already finished all of my studies and final exams. So I was fairly pleased with everything. Also the result, it was amazing. I got full HD, not to brag, but I feel like the requirements of the teachers in Melbourne were much less demanding compared to RMIT teachers in Vietnam. Anyways, I packed everything I could, including all the things that I didn't need, even the hangers of my clothes. I packed it all. I didn't leave anything. As some of you may know, I am a notorious cheapskate. So yeah, I sound like a jerk, but I actually didn't leave anything for my host Emmy, except for a very, you know, emotional letter and a staggering pile of notes and files that I had hoarded throughout my school year. So anyways, after I returned to Vietnam, the first few days between me and my dad were not very exciting because I changed quite a bit. I adopted a vegan lifestyle, which meant that I eliminated all the animal products and only consume plant foods. So this was a very foreign concept to my dad, who was afraid that I was going to become malnourished or emaciated over a long-term practice of such a thing. Anyways, as for now, he is on a good you know, terms with everything. He finally comes to accept it, but much, much later. So to make the most out of the little time I had, because I only had three months, that sounds like a lot, but for like one year staying away from my family, I feel like that is very little time. And we planned two trips in general, spanning over that uh, break time to go to Bali in Indonesia and also to the western region of Ho Chi Minh City. So we went to Bali around December in 2019. So I technically had only one to two weeks right after I came back to get ready for another trip, which I was really excited about. So the trip in Bali was really fun, but at around that time, the COVID just took place in Wuhan, China. So it was still a very peaceful time for us all, except for the people in China, of course. Anyways, it was a very fun time and I would definitely share with you about that in another episode to come. So move on to the next trip to the Western region of Ho Chi Minh City we had later during Tet holiday. That was the period where the COVID-19 pandemic really uh, took toll on the global population and started to spread really quickly. But it was still a very, you know, foreign concept to my family. So we didn't pay much attention to it. We thought it was just another rise of, you know, another strand of virus and it is going to dissipate very soon. But 
it didn't turn out like we thought it was going to. And it got very close to the time I was about to return to Melbourne that my dad rethought about everything. He actually took me to my relative's house to ask them for their opinions on whether I should return to Melbourne or not. And for some reason, in the end, we decided that it was okay for me to go back to Melbourne instead of, you know, skipping the year or taking a break because he thought it was a waste of time. And we kind of underestimated the whole epidemic. So um, I only stayed in Melbourne my second year, of course, for only four weeks. So during the first one to two weeks, it was very traumatizing for me because uh, this time around, I didn't have a host to stay with anymore. This time I rented my own room and it came unfurnished. There was literally nothing. So I had to prepare everything I could but also as soon as I got there, I think I only had three to four days before I started my school year. I arrived in Melbourne quite late this time. So yeah, during that four days, things were tumultuous. I, I was out all the time to buy everything I could, including all the produce to prepare meals and also all the furniture and all the necessities. I even had to buy my own utensils, like knife and cutting board, everything, because the landlord was extremely hypocritical, or shall I put it another way? She was not very uh, friendly with the idea that I was going to share her utensils because she thought I, I was going to transmit some kind of disease to her family. So I was very pressured to get everything ready by the time I returned to uni. And also at around that time, the pandemic really took toll on uh, Victoria, I mean Melbourne, Australia. And everywhere I go, Asian people were viewed under uh, the lens of, you know, the uh, transmitter, the carrier of the COVID virus. And I was scared to the point where I didn't even put a mask on because I was afraid that I would get hit by a stranger or by an indigenous, you know, Australian. So I was really scared. I felt so tired and the cases of COVID-19 just kept accelerating and accelerating day after day. And with the thing at home and also the, the mental mindset where I had to get ready and prepare myself for an independent life ahead, it was quite tormenting for me to say the least. So anyways, um, as soon as I started my uni life, we didn't continue it with the offline option for long because soon after the, the school year started, we had to quickly prepare to move online because of the pandemic. As I stay at home more and most of the tenants and also the, the lady landlord herself 
usually left for work in the morning. I often utilize the kitchenette as a space for me to do my study, to do my homework, because I didn't want to stay in my room. It is quite small and also the landlord uh, particularly coerced me into shutting all of my windows because she said that bystanders were going to, you know, look in and it could increase your chances of getting burglary. So I was like, okay, then I would move to the kitchen to do my homework. And at the time, I was a very organized and very self-disciplined kid. And I actually got this quality from my first year staying with Amy. So, you know, and for her to criticize me a lot was actually too much. Yeah. If a normal person comes in and meets her, they'll definitely have to move out like in a day or two. So anyways, um, she didn't allow me to study in the kitchen because she said that it made her husband feel a little bit uncomfortable and awkward when he walked around to get his stuff. And there was plenty of space there. And for some reason, she said that. And I was like, all right. So I tried to, you know, avoid her husband at all costs. Like whenever I heard the doorbell rang, I would immediately just evacuate to my room and left the uh, kitchen unoccupied for him. But she didn't really like that idea either. And she made me agree that I would have to study in my room instead. She even had cameras all over her house watching me, making sure that I was, you know, abiding by the rules that she uh, made. And... That was a lot for me, especially as an emotional wreck I have always been. I just couldn't stand that. It was too much. And also, there is another um, story that I forgot to tell you. So um, during my preparation for my room, my space, I there was one time that I actually uh, broke down at the train station with one of my friends. So it was at the end of the day, I just finished buying all the stationaries for for my study and also the, the food to prepare my meals. And we were waiting at the train station to go back home. And I felt like I was on the verge of, you know, uh, falling apart. And I, I feel like I had tried to refrain it to like push it inwards way too much that it just broke out and flow out and I was bawling with my friend and she was really kind she consoled me and she said oh you know what I'm still here it's gonna be all right if you need help just text me and all of my friends they were really really nice to me they helped me a lot in buying all the the furniture and also going around to buy food with me because I was afraid that I would, you know, get hit. Because at that time, my mentality was not stable whatsoever. And the racism before the pandemic was already so crazy. Because if you are like um, an international student in Melbourne, especially Vietnamese, you would usually join a group where um, our Vietnamese community would share a lot of uh, updates and information about the life in Melbourne, in Australia. 
And there were multiple occasions where a Vietnamese student got hit and got their belongings stolen by the indigenous people. And that really scared me. They didn't leave anyone out. They even harassed um, some students at the public train station, but in the toilet. So I was scared. And also this time around with the COVID-19. And now I move into a neighborhood mostly crowded out by the Vietnamese community. So it is usually this neighborhood is particularly uh, full of indigenous Australians as well. So indigenous Australians, you would have to distinguish it with the Aussies. So there are indigenous people and there are Aussies. Indigenous people are dark-skinned people that had uh, stayed in Australia even before the Aussies came over from England to take over. I think so. So anyways, yeah, things just compounded and it was too much for me to bear. And after I think three weeks into my second year stay in Melbourne, uh, Vietnam Airline released an emergency announcement stating that they would only, you know, run two to three more flights before they shut down their service and the borders in Vietnam closed and stopped receiving people from foreign countries. So, I was freaked out. I was really scared. My life really depended on the fact that whether I could return back to Vietnam or stay there. So in my mind, I knew for sure that I would have to go back. I I was, you know, it was a very dark time. And as soon as I received that news, I immediately called my mom to let her know that, oh my God, it has been a lot. I had been through so much and it was way too much on my mental health. And I, I let it all out. It was the feelings. I mean, it was all very raw, ugly, and very dark. And also, on that very same day, my mom actually had some issues at work. So it was also a little bit too much on her. So she, yeah, that night, she dumped it all on my dad. She let it all out. She said that maybe I was not going to keep up with the life in Melbourne very well anymore. So my dad really needed to uh, consider about the possibility of having me come back, maybe for the time being, until the whole pandemic subsided. Right. So that night, like right after he knew about that, he was really mad. He was mad because I didn't tell him a thing about what I went through until that very last minute when everything was already spilled over. So he immediately booked a flight for me the next day. Not really the next day, but the day after the next day. And he gave me only until 9am in Vietnam, which was around, I think, 12 or 1pm in Melbourne, to decide whether I was going to stay or I was going to come back to Vietnam. So he let me know that if I wanted to stay, then I would have to really take in the possibilities that I would not be able to come back to Vietnam until maybe the end of 2020. And yeah, as soon as I woke up the next day and saw the message, I was so excited inside. I knew for a fact that I already had my answer. But I also felt guilty because I just came back to Melbourne and the flight tickets were very expensive. So I didn't want to waste my parents' money and 
let them down. So when I was in Melbourne, I usually woke up very early, around like 4.30 a.m. to get ready to, you know, like do some exercise and then um, get ready for school. So what that was the same routine that I did on the very day that I had to make my mind up. So I woke up quite early, so I had plenty of time to make my mind up. So after I got back from my uh, morning workout, I contacted all of my lecturers and also my friends asking for their opinions on whether I should return to Vietnam or not. And also about the possibilities of me having to take the final exam online, because at that time, the online classes were temporary. It was not permanent. There was no source saying that it was going to be until the end of 2020. So I was really hesitant because I didn't know if I went back to Vietnam and then I couldn't go back to Melbourne, could I really still keep up with the uh, study at RMIT Melbourne with the online option? So I called all of my lecturers and they were so kind to spare their time to consult me on whether I should go back or not. Most of them said that I should not drop the class, but, you know, just kept going on with it. It was going to be all right. And they also said that it was going to be a waste of time if I decided otherwise. So anyways, I made my mind up and I only had a few hours left to pack my bag. So I confirmed with my dad right after that. And also there's another very fun story that maybe I'll tell you later, which was about me convincing one of my friends. So when I called her to ask for her opinion before I uh, told my dad that I was going to go back, and I also convinced her at the same time. And she already told me before this whole thing happened that her mom was actually uh, pushing her to go back as well because she didn't come back to Vietnam for the the year break. So when the pandemic happened, her mom actually, uh, you know, urged her to go back for safety. And she was very uh, on the fence with it. And as soon as I made my mind up, I convinced her, I said, oh, you know what? The borders in Vietnam were going to close and you need to make your mind now. And yeah, she made her mind and we all came back and the rest was history. So anyways, um, I called my dad and I told him that, you know what? I'm going to go ahead with your decision. I'm going to go back. And he said, all right, I'm going to confirm your flight ticket. And I had from 3 p.m. until midnight to pack everything and send it to my friend's house because I couldn't carry all of the the things with me back to Vietnam because I actually bought a lot. And the, the carry-on weight for the emergency flight was very limited. So we were only allowed to bring maybe 12 kilos worth of uh, luggage. So I had to send everything away. And another thing about my landlord is that as soon as she knew about this, she was really excited. You know what? Because she had already talked with one of the other tenants that she was going to have us move out very soon because she didn't want us to like contract the virus and then spread it to her family or transmit it to her family members, which only include her and her husband, ironically. 
So she was very uh, excited when she knew that I was going to go back to Vietnam. And I actually uh, suggested an idea that maybe I was going to leave all of my luggages at her place, but I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for the time that I left my stuff there. And she also had like a laundry room. So I knew it was a spare room and I could definitely use that room to keep my stuff. But she rejected right away. She said that, oh, what if when you return and you contracted the virus and then you, uh, you know, brought it to her household? And she said, no, I'm going to toss everything out. That was what she said. And I was just gobsmacked. Like, it was unbelievable how cruel she was, especially when we were all Vietnamese. And I knew for a fact she already went through it all and she already experienced what it was like for an international student to be uh, in a very, you know, unstable mindset. So yeah, I had to call all of my friends at that time, my Vietnamese friends, and only two of them actually had space to uh, keep my stuff. And they were actually staying with their family. So I just quickly packed everything that night. I think by the time I came back from, you know, putting all of my luggages away at my friend's house, it was already 1 a.m. And I was exhausted. I packed everything. I even packed all of my pillows, my pillowcase, everything. Because at first I intended to maybe give it to my landlord. But after all she did to me, it was the last thing I could think of was to gift her something. So it was a very rough night. I didn't sleep much and I was almost late to the airport the next day. So after I convinced my friend to go back to Vietnam with me, she actually agreed. I feel like my uh, persuading skill is very strong here. So <laughs> anyways, um, she decided to book a flight, but two days after my flight. Unfortunately, her flight got cancelled midnight. Yeah, she got an email informing her that that flight was cancelled and the only option she had left was actually the flight the next day with me. And she had maybe around like two to three hours past midnight to pack. And luckily, her landlord was really nice and they agreed to keep all of her stuff so she didn't have to worry much. And I feel like if I was to be in her position, in her situation, like getting my flight canceled last minute and had to change it to the very next day with only few hours left to prepare, I would be over. I bought so much stuff. You cannot imagine. Along with other stuff, I brought from Vietnam as well. So I feel like I was lucky, yeah, to have the time to ask and persuade my other friends to keep my stuff. They were all so nice. And I want to send a special thank you to all of them. Chị Chao and Chị Sương, thank you so much. Em cảm ơn mọi người rất nhiều. And yeah, I think the next part, which is the uh, on-arrival quarantine, Maybe I'll save it for the upcoming episode. Yeah, I think so. All right, so stay tuned and I'll get back to you very soon. Cheers. Cheers.